A film projector is a storyteller. It does this by taking a film reel that consists of thousands of images. Light is then passed through each frame, projecting an image onto a canvas. These images in sequence can tell us a powerful story of happiness, sadness, or even humor. Our lives in many ways are like a film projector. Every action we take and word we speak builds the narrative of a story God is wanting to tell through us. Even though we all have different backgrounds, we have a choice of what we will project when the light of God shines through us. So what would someone see if they watched the movie of your life? Would they see light or darkness? Would they see life or death? Would they see love? Would they see grace? Would they see faith? Would they see Jesus? Well, good morning. Welcome to Belong Church. We're so glad that you're with us. And this is a very special day and the day of our church, and so I'm especially happy that you're with us this morning. And this is actually our four-year anniversary as a church. And so what we like to do every year on our anniversary service is to actually spend time and kind of look back and kind of like recenter ourselves on why God called us, how God called us, how we got here, and kind of where we're going. So it's, it's really awesome for me this morning and to see everything of just where the Lord has taken us, where we've come from. And even preparing my notes and everything, it was very sentimental, and it, it's awesome to go down memory lane. But this morning, I want to talk to you about our story, and our story as belong, and, and what made us, get, and how we got here, and all of those kinds of things. And, and just a little bit about myself, because you know you may not have listened to some of the other podcasts or the, watched any of our other videos where you actually saw me talk about it. So hey, once again, that's really good for us once a year to kind of hone in and center in on that. But God has allowed me the opportunity to serve in many different churches um, in different states across the United States. And at one point, I was traveling for Christ for the Nations and for another organization. And for about a five-year period of time, I was hitting church after church after church. Many times um, for the one organization, we went for nine months every day. So um, just have got, seen this, I've got to see, I've been able to see, let me say it that way, um, many different churches and many different expressions and the different walks of life. And, and it's just awesome just where God has taken me from. And I'm really just so honored and humbled that he chose me to do that. And even when we were planted in a church, when we were in Florida and even here, oftentimes we would serve in multiple churches at the same time. So we had the church we're serving in and we were helping this one with worship night and this one over here for their practice and then doing the sound over here for this one or helping them with all this stuff. And I just love God's house. I love that we have a place that we can go and just worship God. And, and I, I, if I could sleep inside the church, and sometimes I probably have working so many late hours. Um, I know Michael can relate. But um, it's, I just love God's house. And I love God's people. And I've always loved God's people. But the only problem is I found out that my definition was a little bit off. See, I had a heart for people, but I got easily annoyed. 
So if you are like the church people that went in my group and my little, if you're in the worship team, if you're in the tech team, if you're on staff, if you're all this stuff, even then there can be some rough edges that we get along there. But by and large, you know, we, we're in the same flow and everything's good. But if we step outside of that area, I found myself not as easily enjoying, quote, God's people. Yeah, how many of you know that everyone is God's people? In fact, to, to graduate Christ for the Nations back in the day, way, way, way back whenever I went there and was seeking my graduation and somehow by the skin of my teeth made it through, one of the obstacles I had to go through was the evangelism class. And one of the things in evangelism I had to do was go door to door knocking on doors and to try and get my foot in the door with a trainer and then ultimately by myself, you know, to, to talk to people about God. And, and I'll still tell you to this day, that's, that's one of the most dreadful things for me, and, and that's like pulling teeth for me, and that's not my method of evangelism, and I would even probably be too bold in saying that I, I, I question how well that really works, but I'm, that's for another day. But for me, that was pulling teeth, see, because I didn't really care, if I'm being completely honest, I really didn't care about those people. And I still had this warped um, image inside of me that if you want Jesus, you need to come to church and you better get all your life right and you better get all this stuff fi figured out and fixed in your life, you know, because, you know, I'm doing such a good job of that. Oh, it's so terrible. I hate to even think like that anymore. But how many of you know there's a different world inside the church wall than outside the church walls? And oftentimes, for me, growing up in the church, it was really easy to play nice with others, having struggles, but by and large, getting along. But it's a different world outside. And me being in the church world and going to Christ for the Nations and being on staff with several different churches, you know, it's kind of crazy because we start getting this church bubble life. But 90% of the people, probably higher than that, 90 to 95%, of the people that go to church, their bubble is outside the church and that 1% is inside on Sunday morning. See, they live in a different world than what I lived in. Fast forward through to my ordination service at Christ for the Nations, and we were still living in Florida at the time, and Lenore and I came out for that week of all the different events that were going up to it. And, and you may have heard me tell this story, but it's definitely one that to be commemorated on this day of our anniversary. And Dr. John Garlock was, was the speaker that night, and he was my favorite teacher at, at Bible College. In fact, he came to our church in Kerrville long before I went to Christ for the Nations and was instrumental in me going to Christ for the Nations. And the man could just talk and honey just flow off his lips and you could just sit there for hours. And he told this story about a minister who was super well-known, and he was from the East Coast, and back in the 80s and the 90s, if you were anybody and you did a big conference, you had, if it's going to be anointed by God, it had to be in Hawaii, and that's just what everybody did. And so he was out there, and he's the keynote speaker. He's the guy. He's the headliner. But he's on a different timetable because of living on the East Coast than Hawaii time. So 3 o'clock in the morning, he finds himself wide awake. And so he walked across the the street as the story goes and there was an all-night diner there 
And he's sitting there, and he's just enjoying watching people. And I don't know about you, but I really love watching people. Going to the airport is one of my favorite things in the world. You can see who's happy going to somewhere they're excited to go to, and other people, they're not really happy where they're going. And there's others that are just worn completely out. And you just see all of these, all these different things and the different things that people wear to the airport. Some all the dress all the way up, and some in just their pajamas. It's, it's pretty funny. Anyway, so this guy is at this all-night diner and just kind of taking in the scenery when all these group of girls come in and sit down at the thing and they're just like being girls, da 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 just, you know, going nonstop with their words. And he heard one of them say, tomorrow's my birthday, not that anybody cares. And he thought that was interesting and they finished up and they left and he, he went to the, the owners of the, the all-night diner and says, hey, who are those girls? They're like, well, they're the local riffraff, you know, they're the street walkers. They do their shift and they come in here every night and they, they eat and then they go home and go to bed. And he goes, well, do they come in every night? And they said, yes, every night like clockwork. He goes, well, I heard the one, he kind of described her and the wife piped on. She goes, yeah, that's Gloria. Well, I heard her say that tomorrow is my birthday, not that anybody cares. Now, as a side note, this, was, this past week was my birthday, and I'm so glad that people did care for me. And, and I can't imagine being in a world where no one really cared for you or celebrated your birthday. So he says, how about we throw a birthday party for Gloria? The wife says, well, I'll bake the cake. He goes, well, I'll go get the party supplies. So the next day, he preached all day long, and he did his thing as the keynote and the, and the premier speaker all day long. And, and then he went and got all the stuff, and then sure enough, that night, they went and decorated the diner, and she baked a cake, and sure enough, like clockwork, here comes the girls. Three o'clock in the morning, they come walking in. So they're sitting there, and they say, surprise. And she, the girl looked at it. She goes, what is this? And they said, it's your birthday cake. She goes, well, what's that for? It's like, we heard you say that today's your birthday. She goes, well, what am I supposed to do with this? And they're like, well, haven't you ever had a birthday? She goes, I've never had a birthday. I've never, been, no one's ever celebrated my birthday. I don't even know what that is. What am I supposed to do with that? And they said, well, honey, it's yours. You can do anything you want to. And she goes, I can do anything I want to? And they said, yeah, you can do anything you want to. So she took it out of their hands, walked out the door and left said that was very uneventful. You know, it's just like, now what do we do? So they, they went in and they finished celebrating and the girls left and, you know, they're cleaning up and the husband and wife come over to the table where the pastor is. They said, we just have to ask, who in the world are you? We've never experienced or seen anything like, he goes, oh, I'm really nobody. I'm just a pastor of a church. And the guy stopped and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no way that there's a pastor of a church who would throw a birthday party for a prostitute. Because if there was such a pastor in such a church, I'd go to that church. And my wife and I are sitting there just in tears. And this was the beginning of the transformation in me. To see what God's heart was for people that God loved Gloria, who likely had just been rejected by everyone in life. And this is what she thinks is her lot in life. The simple act of kindness. She may never have seen that man again. I can imagine the conversation the next night at the diner when they all came back in. But you know what I was thinking today? I haven't heard anything about that conference that man of God was preaching and teaching about. I haven't heard any of the points that he made in that conference. But his compassion for Gloria radically radically 
changed my life. His compassion for her, not ever knowing that that story would ever be told, changed my life. It was the beginning of this transformation inside of me. And, and months later, years later actually, uh, we're serving with another church at New Life Center with Pastor Joe Cadena. And he's up there preaching and I just got through leading worship and I'm in that euphoria and I'm, I'm up here and I'm trying to land the plane. I'm back with the tech making sure that all the screens are ready, that the sound's working fine, we're recording. I'm just going through all my regular stuff and I heard him peripherally, and you've probably heard me say this story again, but again, on this day of remembering and this anniversary, I want us to tie all this together. And he says, if you're going down 301 and you saw at the 301 bar my truck, and his truck was very significant and noticeable. No one had a truck like his with the big I'm free logo on the back. He says, you saw that, am I sinning? And I stopped everything I was doing, looked straight at the, the stage. I didn't say anything out loud, but I'm like, yes, of course you are. You shouldn't be at a bar. And then he says, if, if you drive by 301, you see my truck there and the door's open, you see that I'm in there. So someone hasn't just borrowed my truck. Am I sinning? And I went on to say, in my mind, yes, of course you are. And he says, if, if you go down 301, you see the 301 bar, you see my truck's there, you see that the door's cracked, and I'm sitting inside there, and there's a beverage sitting in front of me. Am I sinning? And I'm screaming out in my head, nothing out loud, but it's screaming out in my head, of course you're sinning. Why do you keep asking this stupid question? And then he asked this question that continued this transformation. I mean, we have it for the screen. Is it possible to be in a place of sin and not sin? Is it possible to be in that place where there's sin going all around you and not sin? And then it went on from there. If you'll turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. And your light that, that's up there on top is a city on top of a hill. You can see it for miles and miles to come. But look at this. You, talking to the Christians, to the disciples, to you, to me. You are the light of the world. Verse 15. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a lampstand and give light to all who are in the house. Verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way. But look at this. Let your light shine. You're supposed to be letting what God is doing in your life shine outside of your life. You should not be trying to hide what God is doing in your life. You shouldn't be trying to hide the struggles. And we looked at last week that we are going to have evil and trouble that comes. But it's when God is with us and we say, hey, God, even though I'm walking this low point in my life and death is even overshadowing me, uh, I'm not going to fear evil because I know that you're with me. Let that shine. Look at the next part of that. Before men, in such a way. And I love that. I love just the, 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 the wordsmithing of that and how it's all put together. Let your life before men, in such a way, and, and on purpose, intentional. Look at this that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That they would see what God is doing in your life, that you're not the same you that was yesterday. 
you're moving in this progression called life. They see the good work. Remember we talked about several weeks ago that it is God who is doing this work inside of you. And he who began this work inside of you is faithful to complete it. Let people see that work. And then they're going to glorify the Father who is in heaven. See, in Matthew, Jesus says, you are the light. Talking to me, talking to you. You are the light. But look, in John, it says it in a different way. John spoke to all the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. Wait a minute, Jesus. How is it that you're the light of the world and John and I'm the light of the world and Matthew, hey, this doesn't seem to jive too much. But yet it does completely. See, because Jesus came to show us and prepare a way for us and to show us a demonstration of how we are. As he was in the world, so also are we. We looked at that also before. So now who Jesus was saying, I am the light of the world. Now he's saying, you are supposed to be that light in the world. Look at the rest of that scripture. If you follow me, if you follow me, that is a condition. That word if is a big two-letter word. If you follow me. Tells me that some people may not follow him. Some people may choose not to and then come later in life, and some people may never follow. But if you follow me, look at this. You won't have to walk in darkness. It's conditional. You can walk in darkness if you want to. But if you follow me, Jesus says, if you will just come and just, hey, you don't have to understand everything. It's not about joining a church. It's about following me as this personal relationship. You don't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to walk around going, hey, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm even here for. You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to life. Now, the, the really crazy part of this story and how, as we're reading through the Gospels through these four months, where Jesus is saying this in John 8, verse 12, the previous preceding verses was about the woman caught in adultery. Isn't that amazing? And, and that was the first message we preached as a church four years ago talking about that woman caught in adultery. And I could so easily just go into that story because it's one of my most favorite examples of God's love for us. But if you'll recall, she was set up. She was caught in adultery. And I believe that she was, um, they knew the girl who would do those things and they had it all set up and they ripped her out of that thing and brought her and said, caught her in the very act and threw her down for Jesus and said, hey, we caught her in the middle of having sex and she's not supposed to be because this man's married and, and now the law says she's supposed to die. What do you say? If you recall the story, Jesus wrote on the ground and we don't know what he said, but all the people left that were the accusers from the oldest to the youngest, it said. Today when I was reading through this, I saw something I'd never seen before in that scripture. It doesn't say that everyone left. It says that her accusers left. Then Jesus keeps on picking up that story, and that is the next verse that he says what we just read in John chapter 8, verse 12. 
Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. So he just spoke life into this lady who was scared for her life. He says, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. And then the next words he says are, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light in this dark place that's all around you. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness. See, when we planted our church, it didn't go by the book, by church planting book of how it's all supposed to work out and how it's all, you do this and then you do that and then this happens and, and all that stuff is wonderful and I'm so happy for the training we got. But in our story, as I'm telling you our story on this fourth anniversary, our funding didn't come through. The money that we needed to raise, it didn't come through at all. So we didn't know, you know, we couldn't do all of the mass mailers out for everything that we wanted and all of these things. So we were just like, hey, we're going to do with what God has called us to do. And we, we jumped out there and says, hey, we're going to just do it. We were short on people resources. We should have had a whole lot more people that had rallied around and, you know, inviting people and all the stuff. We were just at a bare minimum of being able to make it through what we had. I mean, people are doing multiple jobs. And, and right now, I just want to take that moment to celebrate everyone that helped us launch. You know, for John Shear working so tirelessly, helping me rebuilding amplifiers and rebuilding microphones and fixing stuff and just really going all in with stuff. And, and Jesse and Michael, and Michael has just gone beyond and beyond and beyond. There's no words. We should probably spend a whole service just talking about Michael. But we're not going to do that. Um, and Michael's probably yelling, glory to God, thank you, Jesus, we're not going to do that. But all the people that have pitched in to make it work, that's so awesome. And I want to thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart because we can't do this by ourselves. It's not something that we should be able to do by ourselves. If it's something I can do by myself, then it's not God. Then our first service was... Uh, we had equipment failures. Everything worked fine the week before, and it didn't work fine the day of, and, and struggled, and we had torrential rain, and, and I got word that my uncle passed away that morning as we're trying to set up, as we're trying to troubleshoot everything, and this is like all this uh, just stuff is just coming at me from left and right in all of us, and we finished worship at the time we're supposed to be finishing the service. And the truth of the matter is if you looked at the success from natural standpoints, you would say it was a disaster. You say, what in the world are you thinking? Maybe this wasn't the place. Maybe this wasn't the time. And yet, it was the place. And it was the time. See, if it had gone like I thought and like we'd hoped that it would have, I would have slipped back into doing church just like I'd always seen, like I'd always done. And I would have totally missed what God wanted to do. The Bible says that unless you build a house, and building a house can be our personal family, but in this case, it's our church house. Unless the Lord is the one who builds it. Those that are working and doing the labor, you're laboring in vain. But I'm so happy to say that everyone who's labored isn't in vain. We just needed to change our definition of success. 
You see, I was still in transition and viewing success by the church standards and, 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 and what was, you know, the numbers and the money and all this stuff. I was transitioning from that to getting the heart of God. See, in Luke 15, verse 7, Jesus is talking about the three different parables in here of, of the, the person that was the 99, the 100 sheep and one walked away, and then the coin that was lost, and then the prodigal son, and all three of those are demonstrating the same viewpoint. That he's telling the same story three different ways. And, and the one, the 99 that are left and the one walked away, he said, the good shepherd will go and find them. And look at what he says here. I tell you that in the same way, by the same story I just told you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 who need no repentance. See, if we built a church that was just so full of people that don't need a repentance, it's just a, hey, I'm putting my tie on on Sunday morning, and we're getting the kids that are all perfect, you know, they're all stutter-stepped along there. They're two, 2.5 children, and we got all of this. We're perfect and all this stuff. He's like, man, there's more rejoicing. In our first service, I know of at least one person whose life was changed. One of them was mine. I had to change the way I saw things. And the stories, hopefully I'll be able to share more in the future publicly about that crazy story and success he says in another right after that in, in verse 10 he says in the same way i tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner who repents who who has a change of mind who hears the word of god and, and follows god can i tell you this the heart of god is for each one individual who comes to him. I want to say that again. The heart of God is for each one individual who comes to him. And that's where the rejoicing in heaven comes. We need to change our focus from being the masses to the one. To the glorious. To the one that God has in our plan, in our path. Last week we looked at, in Mark chapter 4, that Jesus went across the sea, and, and I'm not going to re-preach that, but it is a crazy interesting story to me. And, and you see the, the different struggles that went through, and, and Jesus goes across the sea, and there's this huge storm that comes up. There's a hurricane force, and we saw it was a demonic force operating in the weather. And then he went across. As soon as he got across there, then the, the guy that was a demoniac that had been filled with demons, he said there's thousands of them as legions. There's too many of us to even name. And then they went into the pigs. They followed him. They go back to the sea and, and all this stuff. And, and when we saw that when Jesus went out there to the people, where you think they'd be really, really happy that Jesus was there and, and this great miracle in verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave. They're like, Jesus, we don't want you here. Neither did the, the lake that he was going across. The people that are there, the people who are hurting the, the pigs that lost 2,000 pigs, and, and the demonic spirits are going, hey, don't come to torture us yet. But you see, there was one person. Verse 18. And as he, Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, was imploring Jesus, saying, 
Can I come with you? I just want to accompany you. Look at this in verse 19. And Jesus didn't let him go. But he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. What great things has the Lord done for you? And how he had mercy on you. See, the great things that the Lord had done for him, he braved the storm going across where this hurricane's trying to keep them from getting to the other shore. He braved the demons coming out and, and saying, no, 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 you can't do this. And, and, and he's telling them to come out. He went through all this stuff, and then God had mercy on this man and freed him from this torment that he'd faced. Continuing on now, where we left off last week. Verse 20. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis, which means the city of ten cities. It's not just one city where he was at. The Gadarenes is not just there. He went into the ten cities, and he's telling all of them. See, if he went with Jesus, the proclamation of God, what God was doing would have went in the boat with Jesus. Jesus wasn't being mean to him. Jesus was saying, no, I've got a better purpose for you, one person. I want you to go. And everyone was amazed. See, he was priming the ground. He was preparing the way. Because Jesus goes later on, even in the book of Mark, into that same area, and he heals a blind man. So it went from where they said, Jesus, get out of here because we don't want anything to do with you, to this man declaring what God had done prepared a place that this blind man was able to have his sight. In this place where they didn't want God, they pleaded with Jesus. One man, using his voice, began to work for God. Continuing in the story, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over, again in the boat. So he got in the boat and went back across the same lake. And right there, I just want to time out again and just think about it. How many of us, when we go through a struggle, going through something, when we go and we think we're going to pass through that same thing to get back in the same boat and go across the same water that you just about died in, how many of us want to say, no, I really don't. I'll take the shoreline. I'll walk around. I don't care if it takes me three weeks extra. I'm not going back in a boat on that water. No, we can't have fear in what God has called us to do. Continuing on. Crossed over the boat to the other side, and a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came and upon seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying my little daughter is at the point of death please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live so again if you're if you're reading through the book of mark with us this 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 month or listening to it like i am look at the progressions of how this happened jesus is ministering they, he ministers, ministers, ministers. They put him, as we saw last week, just as he was in the boat. They went across. They had the huge storm. They get across the other storm. And, and as soon as they get out there, they meet the demoniac. And they say, get out of here. They get back in the boat. And Jesus now goes back across there. And as soon as he gets here, he's met with this. There's a crowd already waiting for him. 
This isn't months later. This isn't weeks later. This is the same 24-hour period. This man's like my little daughter. And for me, having two daughters and four children, but two daughters, I mean, when daughter's sick, you know, she's at the point of death. Look at this. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. You hear the heart of a daddy. Verse 24, and Jesus went off with him. He dropped what he was doing, and a large crowd was following him. See, this crowd had come, and they're already by the shore. And, and Jairus came up, made his way through, and then he, Jesus took off with Jairus, so the whole crowd just took off following him. And in this whole big crowd, verse 25, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured so much at the hands of many physicians. Look at that. She had endured much at the hands of many physicians. They've tried everything, and particularly at that point, they didn't have the science that we have today. That They would just try all kinds of crazy things, like putting leeches on you and cutting you and saying you need to bleed some things out, and she already has a problem with bleeding. I mean, it's just she was undoubtedly anemic and struggling to walk and having no iron and all these things that we know of today. She's endured much. She's like, man, this doctor is going to be the one. He, he's going to be the one that helps me, and then Goes through all the stuff. And can you imagine that? Go, this is the treatment plan. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Her faith is there and it doesn't do anything. She goes to the next one and the next one and the next one. And look, and she spent all that she had and was not helped at all. But in fact, it grown worse. That's a desperate person. Verse 27. After hearing about Jesus, she came upon the, up in the crowd and behind him and touched his cloak. Look at this, verse 28. For she thought, she had it in her mind. For she thought, if I just touch his garment, I will get well. She had put her faith in all these other physicians and endured whatever it was that they asked her to do. She went through all their treatment plans and nothing was helping. In fact, she's now exhausted all of her money. But she didn't give up before she thought, if I can just touch him. Verse 29, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. There's, there's times that we find healing that we know right then and there it happened. There are other times that it happens as you go. In her case, it happened right then and there. Verse 30, immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth. See, we feel it when we're laying hands on people. We feel when God moves. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with me. But it has everything to do with obedience. But we can feel the transference of power. And Jesus is like, man, I didn't even lay my hands on somebody. And I felt this power go out of me. What is going on? Somebody had to have touched my garments or something. His disciples said to him, and this would be me, Mr. Sarcastic, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? Are you nuts, Jesus? I mean, everybody's touching you. They're all pushing you. You know, they're all trying to get in there. They're all jockeying for a moment with Jesus. He wasn't even moved by their sarcasm. He looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, Aware of what had happened to her. I mean, imagine this moment in her life that all of a sudden she is now healed. She came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith. Remember we looked at faith last several weeks ago. Your faith has healed you. See, Jesus didn't get involved in that. He was just there. It was her in her mind thinking. Continuing on, verse 35. While he was still speaking, they came from the, syn- the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer. I mean, imagine he's there. He's believing because she's at the point of death that he's desperately crying out to Jesus. Jesus dropped everything and goes with him. And in the midst of this, he's so fearful of, you know, all the struggles they've gone through with this little girl and her being sick. And now he gets the word that the worst scenario has happened. And Jesus' words are, don't be afraid any longer. Verse 37, and he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and they saw a commotion and the people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make such a commotion and a a weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. And then they began laughing at him and putting them all out. He, along with the child's father and mother and his own companions, entered into the room where he was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her these words, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Verse 42, immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given her to eat. See, Jesus turned his schedule upside down for one little girl. Even that schedule was interrupted by one woman. But you see, these people that work for the synagogue official has the same viewpoint that many, oftentimes I should say, we have. Because they said, don't bother, don't trouble the master anymore. God's too busy for you. He's not listening to you. Think about it. They're saying, it's over. You need to move on. Now it's time to grieve. Leave Jesus alone. Okay, we can handle it from here. We got this. We got people already there crying with your wife and helping you work up the tears. And there's a paid position at that time. What about the woman with the issue of blood? For she thought it said. And so many times we have thoughts that come into our mind that lead us in the wrong way. And they're distractions to us. But she used hers for faith. But that word faith, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, it literally means it's from the word persuaded or to have confidence. Literally means persuaded. Jesus says your faith has made you whole. He, He says you're being persuaded and you having confidence and God is able to do this in your life has made you whole. She thought, she let her thoughts be persuaded and have confidence and Jesus is healing her. She was somebody's little girl too. But look, there's a one and there's a one. One is a little girl, died, Jesus raised her from the dead. 
Then there's the one who's exhausted everything, and now she's here. See, it's not these huge masses. It's not about how big of a church we can build and how great we can say how many numbers we have and how big is our offering. See, our story is about one. Our story as Belong Church is about one. That one individual whose life was changed on our first day. That one individual that's changed as we're out in our places of our gardens. See, Belong Church, as cheesy as it can sound along with this, is a place where you can belong. It's a place where God has made this, um, this area, this community, because you are made to belong. If you will, bow your heads with me this morning. I don't invite you this morning to say this prayer with me. Before we get there, I want to ask you, are you the one today? Are you the one that all of heaven is poised, ready to celebrate over? See, it's not about joining this or any church, but it is about a personal relationship with the God who created you. You were made to belong, to belong to God. Our name is belong as a as a symbolism of where you're at, but it's not that you were made to belong with us. You were made to belong to God because He has a place for you and He has a purpose for you. If you're ready to take that step today, you don't even have to understand it all. If you said, I'm going to take the first step in walking towards God, that first step is saying this prayer with me. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. Say, God in heaven, I want to know you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus for paying for my sins so I don't have to. Thank you I have a place where I can belong. I ask you to forgive me for making mistakes. I choose you. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all of my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father God, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. All of heaven that's rejoicing over each one today. Each one that when they hear this message and they, they take that step to pray that prayer. For that one that's saying, okay, I, I missed it. I'm going to rewind it and go back and I'm going to say that prayer. God, that all of heaven is rejoicing when one comes to you. Lord, I want to thank you for what you've done for our church. Lord, thank you for Belong Church and, and the influence you've given us and the privilege you've given us, the honor to serve you. Lord, I thank you for the newness of life, for the, our lives that are being changed. Lord, I thank you that our, our church is just to be a collection of all the ones who you've changed their lives. And Lord, we truly rejoice over each one. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to take the next step, and that is simply to text the word next 
402-469-289-1114. It's at the bottom of your screen. If you're listening on the podcast, I'll say it again. Text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. And it's going to just give you some prompts. And that's our ability to text back and forth with you. And it's the best, most simple way that we have found to help be able to communicate with you. We want to hear your testimony. We want to hear what God's doing in your life. We want to hear how, what God is speaking to you through the messages and, and what is going on. And we want you to invite somebody to take this journey with you. Be the one who invites one. And lastly, I want to encourage you to, um, if you want to be a part of the financial success of this ministry, and four years is, is great where we're at and the next year and the next years that go on beyond that are even going to be greater and all the plans that we know that God has laid out for us. If you want to be a part of that financially and we, we want to invite you to do that, I want to ask you that you would take that step and just jump out there with us. You can simply go and it's at the bottom of your screen as well. Give to belong.com. Give to belong.com. And that along with all the other things, you'll start seeing what God's working in your life. And it's amazing. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for our four-year anniversary. Lord, I thank you for where you brought us from, where you're taking us to. I thank you for the transformation inside of me that my heart is not for just inside the four walls, but outside the walls that my heart is now largely more for those people who've never experienced you. Lord, help us to find those ways to be exactly who you have from. Let us let our light so shine that they see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.